podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. If you want interesting and entertaining debate on the Premier League and other English leagues, but from a show that doesn't take itself too seriously, then check out The Whistleblowers. It's a weekly football podcast hosted by me. I used to play football, Martin Gritton, uh, stand-up Mark Smith when he can, and music manager Gareth Dobson, who uh, always has plenty of good chat, being a Spurs fan. Um, we basically get football writers in to have a chat as well and we talk about the stories that matter in English football whether it's on the pitch or off it it's free to listen to iTunes Acast Spotify and wherever else you get your podcasts Uh, or you can download the Whistleblowers app follow us on Twitter at Football Podcast Cheers Hello and welcome to Footballistically Arsenal I am Boyd Hilton he is sidekick psychic Josh Landy hello Josh how are you, Boyd? I'm not sure if you can see me today. You're having technical problems. I can see you when you speak. It's, it's that thing, yeah. So I can see you now in all your splendour, in a hoodie. Um, you're out of focus, but we can't have everything. And um, we're joined by staunch stalwart guest of the podcast, back uh, after a while, I think, Ricky Lawrence. Hi, Ricky. Hello, Boyd. Hello, Josh. Ricky's um, your your Twitter biog, your biography on Twitter says, yeah. and I quote: "Lots of football, lots of food, and lots of Springsteen." So yeah. I propose that we uh, change the subject of this podcast to Springsteen and let's celebrate his Sounds excellent new album. Yeah. To you, um, what, what's your feeling about the album? I really like. It. I've listened to it quite a lot of times. I've been getting my intake of Bruce Springsteen. I've seen Dermot. Um, had a yeah. podcast with Bruce Springsteen and Arsene Wenger, so uh, yeah, what a, doesn't 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 really get any better than that, does it? No, extraordinary. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, that was on Saturday. Yeah, um, Dermot he played out um, pre-recorded interviews with both of them, and uh, on the long, on the podcast version of his show, you get longer versions. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure brilliant. Yeah, have a I'm listen. To that. I will. I'm I will. very much liking the album. Yeah, um, I think uh, the power of prayer might be my favourite track. Classic oh, really? Bruce. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then yeah, Ghosts and Letter to You. The two. Sorry, Josh. Josh is thinking, what is going on here? Yeah. Well, the reason I'm avoiding talking about we we're talking about Arsenal. Well, yeah. Obviously, we had a very depressing. I found it very depressing. Um, mm. Defeat yesterday although we have got some positives to talk about we've got haven't we josh we've got we did win in europe last thursday and that was thomas Partey's Partey's outstanding debut which was pretty much everything you could want from a midfield footballer and um i feel like we have there are some pluses from the first half at least yesterday against leicester i thought it was a game of two halves um and you know let's face it was one of those things you know we, we should have had a goal it was totally grotesquely disallowed in my opinion and we had i think 11 shots two or three on target in the first half and then like one shot maybe in the second half one shot on target after um saka went off and after uh was substituted he was got, he was knackered and obviously louise who was a pretty much a best player possibly in the first half anyway so i think there are positives among the negatives and um there's more Urzel to discuss. Always, Urzel's become like a kind of Arsenal um, uh, cheerleader on Twitter, which is fascinating. Um, got a new job. Lots of people are going on about that. he should be back providing creativity. I think we, we need to talk about the creativity issue and the forwards and, you know, is he picking the right team and all of that. Anything else, Josh, we need to discuss? Oh, Dundalk. We've got Dundalk to talk about coming up this Thursday. I've got some Dundalk facts coming up later. 
Yeah, and we've got to mention the fact you seem to be doing ever more podcasts. Uh, what did I see this week, boys? Jew talking to me. Oh yeah, your Jew latest to me. Yeah, yeah. I was on Jew talking to me, which is a Jewish-themed podcast. Which I, I've always felt that Footballistic Arsenal is the Jewish fo- Arsenal podcast. That which we could change the title because we're all Jews tonight, aren't we? Obviously. <laughs> And um, mostly, most of the guests are Jewish, aren't they? Like, we're Jewish. All your friends are Jewish. I mean, you know, most, a lot of mine are. Every now and then we have a token um, Gentile. But I feel like this is the most Jewish of Arsenal podcasts. And, um, but I did, I was a guest on Jew Talking to Me, yeah, which is a, which is a very funny um, Jew-themed podcast hosted by two Jewish comedians. And um, I was on with a woman that, who, who used to be in uh, fame. And the kids from Fame, Valerie in Fame. How about that? That's I look forward to listening to that. Did you get yeah. a new role as well, Boyd, to do a pilot? Oh TV, yeah, you've been following the news. Yeah, I got. I am now officially a contributing editor of Empire in Empire of Empire in Empire the magazine Empire. So I've got yeah, I've got a few jobs now. Um, right, I'm still at heat. Yeah, be pleased to. It's know. a good thing you don't have to go to any football these days. You're so busy, Boyd. It is. It is. Now, the big question, I guess the first big question we should talk about, relating to the, the match last night against Leicester, is, oh, you already got your finger up, is, is, pay-per-view? Well, did anyone pay? Who paid? Yeah. Did you pay? Yeah, I did. Go on. Well, I know I'm not here to talk about my charity work, and I'll let other people always talk about my charity work, <laughs> but I must say, the campaign that I saw, because Arsenal Supporters Trust and a few other uh, fan groups, we're doing to do with like a just giving project to do with Islington was fantastic because, you know, you could see so many people giving their 15 quids towards that. And that was brilliant, but I must admit I did both 15 quid went yeah, to them, thanks. but then 15 quid also went to the pay-per-view. So I was one of the suckers, but Boyd, you're obviously in the TV world. And I've got a friend of mine, Joel, who tried to explain to me what Barb B A R B figures are which um, yeah. you'll know far better than me. And he suggested that it was estimated around 140,000 had watched Arsenal. Yeah. Did you yeah. see such figures? Well, I, I did. I, I think there are two figures. There's 140,000, which I think is the, the estimated number of viewers. And then there's 70,000, which I think is the estimated number of households, effectively. So, um, yeah. So I, I think they got 70,000 purchases, which is probably the, the, the figure that matters to them. Um, it was, the highest, it was the highest one so far, right? Highest one so far, yeah, which you would be, wouldn't it? Because, I mean, the others have been a bit shit. And Arsenal Leicester, I mean, Arsenal Leicester should be a, a normal game, shouldn't it, on Sky? It should be a normal televised game any day of the week. What does the average Premier League TV rating get? What is the average? On, on Sky, they're about one and a half to two million, I would say. Yeah, um, so a big game. So low down. It's crazy. Yeah, Manu Arsenal, Manu Arsenal on normal Sky next week will get probably get about two million, I think. Uh, maybe more, depending what time it's on. So it's a low number. People aren't people are not happy with this amount. And what I found very funny is watching um, the people like Gary Lineker had to announce on BT Sport. You know, you can pay for this game at three o'clock, and and, and coughing, literally coughing, when he said the fee fourteen ninety five. And Gary Neville's been very outspoken on Sky. You know what? They're leading pundit. Um, pointedly um critical of the of the fee but i guess it's this it's a premier league driven thing as much as it's, it's the team it's the clubs isn't it driving this yeah. amount as much as as much as the tv channels 
Did you? Yeah, what did you, you do, Ricky? Did you pay for it? I didn't. But I was. I was never going to pay for it. I think it's outrageous, similar to the what you what you just touched upon. Like Gary Neville and Lineker have um, have said, I was I was never paying for the game. I've actually tried to get streams and whatnot for some of the other ones. I tried to watch a bit of the uh, Villa game on Friday night and the Liverpool game, but to be honest, they're too unreliable. So what I actually did was I put my phone away at about seven o'clock. Took my uh, watch that I get notifications on. I hid them away. I recorded. It was on Sky for free at one thirty in the morning. I went I had an early night. I woke up at about a quarter to four and watched it. Ninety minutes. I had no idea Amazing. what the score was whatsoever. And it was all ruined when Jamie Vardy scored ten minutes to go. Yeah. But I'll be doing that again if if there are more pay per view games for Arsenal because a it was quite nice to watch a game without having temptation to message an Arsenal group berating so-and-so and um yeah it was peaceful it was lovely other than that's very disciplined of you to be able to ignore the whole thing from about seven fifteen from kickoff onwards all the way yeah. through the night to ignore that is that's tremendous that's that is an absolute triumph i have to say um but josh you did watch it isn't it weird we mentioned this a little bit last week how the pay-per-view games are less give you less for your money than a normal televised game. So they had two, I mean, I can't even remember who the commentator and pundit were. They were so, I mean, with all due respect to whoever the hell they were, they weren't like major figures, let's just say. And then the perfunctory, they did have the interviews before the game with the managers and stuff. But after the game, they didn't even have post-match interviews with the managers. I was absolutely astonished. They had Jamie Vardy, I think, maybe. and then they, But they didn't have the managers. They were like, right, we're off after about 10 minutes after final whistle. Uh, I it find was like exactly. Sunday night. We can't be bothered to stay around. You know, even though you've paid 15 quid for this fucking thing. Mm-hmm. I thought that was incredible. Did you... Did you, did you yeah. Did you, well, yeah. it was Lee, Lee Hendry, who's a very nice right. lad. He, he, okay, he was sorry. Are any of these people your clients? I'm sorry, yeah. Uh, well, Lee, I have met many oh. times over the years. He's a oh, lovely guy. But uh, he, he, no, he did, you know, his co-com duty. I think he very briefly played for Leicester. So maybe that's a connection to one of the uh, right. two teams. Right. But obviously a regular with, with Sky. Now, what I thought is you are getting at least the full Sky Sports, like the angles, everything about the game, apart from the halftime and the full time. But if we're being told here that the costs of the production is all Sky and BT are getting and the rest of the money is going to, you know, the the Premier League clubs, then, you know, if we're all going to sit here and pay the money, do we want our money to go more towards the club? So, you know, did we get ultimately what we uh, needed last night? Or were you were you feeling like, I want to see Sooness analyse this at half-time? No, well, I'm not, I wasn't bothered about that. I, I mean, I would have liked to. A bit. They did analyse the, the, the co-commentators analysed the big, but wrongly, of course, as well. That's the other thing is that Hendry got the, the bloody goal. I mean, what he was talking absolute nonsense about, the non-interfering, interfering with play. It was extraordinary what he was banging on about. He was basically saying because Xhaka was avoiding the, the ball, you know, that that meant he was interfering, which is literally doing the opposite. And then they showed the angle where he clearly wasn't anywhere near the fucking goalkeeper, Schmeichel, even more. And he just, they just ignored it completely. So the punditry was was inferior. And then you watched it on Match of the Day, and they both, everyone on Match of the Day agreed it was, a, it was an absolute blatant. 
blatant goal and disgraceful example of the idiocy of VAR. Um, but I just think, I think the thing, I would, I would have been fine with it all. I didn't mind, but just have, interview the bloody uh, managers. That's just a basic thing you want, isn't it? After any, every single game. So that was the one thing. I thought that was the one thing I felt let down about. And I don't think that, that would have cost much more to a Sky to just have another 10 minutes of the show and have enough time to interview the managers. I guess that's the thing. The money's all going to the club, isn't it? So Sky could care less, right? Yeah. yeah. But let's talk about the game then a bit, shall we? A bit. I mean, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's partly what we're here for. What did you think, Ricky, of the team selection um, and the tactics? It was quite interesting. I felt like, you know, Party was obviously played his first league game. Um, you had Xhaka playing this slightly weird role, I felt. You had um, Aubameyang on the right of Saka and on the, on the left and Lacazette through the middle and people are kind people are, I would say the general gist from Arsenal fans on social media. And, and this is often not reflection of reality, but nevertheless is people are mightily pissed off that he keeps picking Lacazette in down the middle. They're mightily pissed off that he played Aubameyang wide on the right and a bit annoyed that Xhaka was in this weird role and get loads and loads of the ball and didn't do anything with it. Whereas party got hardly any of the ball. Yeah, I actually agreed with pretty much everything you said at the beginning, your quick summary of the game. I think, to be honest, I actually really enjoyed the first half. I thought we played really well. I thought, like you said, David Luiz was probably our best player because his passing was it was one of those days where every pass it hit was brilliant. Um, Stacker was getting the game really well. His, his looked really good. I think he's great, but his looked particularly good the last few weeks. And we just looked really comfortable. And when everything's going well, not well, I know we didn't score, but when we're looking good, it's, you know, yeah, genius. Shaka in this sort of left centre-back position and, you know, parts of getting on the ball and it all looked good. And then the second half was just such a difference. I feel like, was it one shot in the second half? We were so bad. And that yeah. was Bellerin volley. Yeah. Like, we were yeah. so bad in the second half. And then it's all these tactics don't work. And, you know, this this doesn't work and that doesn't work. I think the thing is, you know, I had friends today saying how good we looked at the back, and we did. But that was until they had a striker on the pitch. They didn't. They didn't try and score in the first half. They didn't have anyone that, you know, is even Harvey Barnes was playing up front for them. Yeah. He's not a striker. No, you know, we no wonder we looked solid at the back. And then the minute they threw Vardy on, and to be honest, I think Vardy is absolutely brilliant. But it probably could have been any striker, and we would have struggled because you know we didn't we didn't create enough chances. Those that we did, we didn't take, and it all just fell apart. I, I, I think the problem was that Arteta didn't react to the way the game was going. He didn't, his changes, unfortunately, I think Saka actually got a kick. He got quite a heavy kick. Um, yeah, you're right. Yeah, he, he, was did, limp, yeah. he was limping for a long time, and I think he had to come off. Louise was forced, he was forced into that change, and then obviously he didn't make another change until, um, until they scored. So I have sympathy with him, but second half, we, were just, we, were, we weren't at the races in the slightest. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it, um, Josh? That I feel like, it, it, like the first half, people are people are quite rightly there was definitely an issue about creativity and about the setup and all of that, and it, and definitely we're definitely playing. I think the whole Arteta's whole um, tactic for, at the moment is is keeping the defence solid and keeping a solidity in our setup so that we're not allowing loads of chances because that was the big thing that had to be sorted out, wasn't it, from the previous manager. And Peter managers, and he's done that. And our defence is one of the best now in the league currently, after six games. But we are tenth in the league. But, but it's weird that the, in this game, in the first half, we actually had a lot of chances by our by our standards. 
those 10, 11 chances. I mean, only, all right, only two or three um, on target against the team that was playing very defensively, as Rick is saying, wasn't making any attempt really to score themselves. And there was very, a brilliantly honed defensive unit by a manager famous for organizing, organizing his teams. And yet we still managed, we did manage 11 shots against them in that first half, which was, I mean, for me, I agree with Ricky. I thought the first half was really promising. And, I, and I, you know, people were getting frustrated and you can criticize the setup and all of that. But actually, we were getting chances. What, what did you think? I was also quite encouraged by the first half. But I, it's a little, little bit concerning, isn't it, that we saw, as, as Ricky just mentioned, Harvey Barnes playing up front. We've seen Jamie Vardy on the bench and it kind of felt like they'll happily take this game to nil-nil with 20, 25 minutes to go, throw on Vardy. And I don't know how many of these 11 goals he scored against Arsenal have been in games with these other players, but he it's, it's imprinted on all of us, isn't it? How many times have we seen Vardy wheeling away in celebration against, against Arsenal? It just seems to happen every single game. And that second half, tactically, you know, was Arteta out thought we, we were barely, you know, that Bellerin shot and that was about it. And, you know, when, when the bench options were looked at, you know, Pepe is Pepe and not brilliantly in form at the moment. Inketia, you know, is, is, is what he is, is exciting prospect, but it's not quite at the level now where if he comes off the bench, you think we can go and win this game. And it was a little bit, I'd say, the most deflated I felt since the Olympiacos game back in February. That night where we had at the Emirates where we just bashed out of Europe. And yeah. maybe we should think, you know what, we've had six months of football. Obviously a bit of break, but we've had roughly six months of real football who have been played in that, in that period. And if we have a night like this every six months, maybe we have to take it. Because what we've largely done under Arteta is win the games we're supposed to win have definitely lost all the games that you'd think we're going to lose in the league cup. Obviously we've had a couple of successes and this was the first time we've gone to a really disappointing defeat. Um, and, and you hope yeah, you, I agree clip. with you. I agree with you. Well, I think the reason why it's really frustrating and I think the narrative and I'm using narrative, you know, people love using the word fucking narrative now, but there is a narrative around this game that is unfair because we should have, we scored after a few minutes. Lacazette, who had a very, I agree, had an infuriating game. Let, let, let's, you know, he had a, a, an easy header that he should have scored. Let's not forget that Aubameyang had a header. He should have scored as well, by the way. But Lacazette is getting a lot of flack. And he didn't have a great game, but he should have fucking scored after a few minutes and it was disallowed outrageously. And what happens then in that game? Even with Vardy on the bench, if, you, if Arsenal go a goal up after a few minutes against a team playing with no strikers and we've got that, I felt the confidence, I felt like Lacazette was frustrated from that moment onwards. And I'm not excusing him because I think he's a very, very easily frustrated footballer. I think a lot of his, I've said this before, I feel a lot of his issues are mental, you know, like he gets really, you know, he always gets, he books, he gets booked almost every game now. And I feel like that is his frustration. And he gets pissed off. He was getting pissed off with the other teammates, wasn't he, for not, not giving him the exact ball he wanted. I think he gets frustrated with himself and all of that. But if he'd have scored, as he did, and it should have been allowed after a few minutes, and I'm not banging on about the referee decision for the safety, I'm just saying that would have transformed this game. And I think people forget that. But, uh, and then you, it gets to the end of the game and it's frustrating. We've lost and Vardy, etc. But actually, this, the history, the narrative of this game could and should have been very different. Ricky, am yeah, I going, I, am I, I, I labouring this I, point? I agree that if that goal counts, we probably do want to win the game. It's, you know, it's difficult to say, but based on how we played the rest of the half, we pro if we've got a goal, if we're a goal ahead, yeah, we probably do. I actually think 
I think it should have been a goal. I don't think it's crazy. I think the thing is that Jack has gone and stood on Schmeichel, but there's nobody on the line. So any header towards goal, any shot towards goal, is you're risking being offside because you are standing in front of the goalkeeper. I don't think he interfered with him, but the minute the Lions has put his flag up, I wasn't confident it was going to be overturned. Um, and I despise VAR yeah. more than life itself. I know. Or whatever, you know, I, I, know. I You're very outspoken about, can't, about that. I can't stand it, but the thing is, the ref's never going to look at it and go, actually, Lino, you got it wrong because he wasn't interfering. It wasn't clear and obvious enough. Whatever, like, you know, I, I really, really despise it. But I don't know, just why is he standing on the goalkeeper? There's no one on the line. You're going to be offside. But your point being that, that we probably would have won the game. Yeah, we probably would have done. I think with VAR, I, I hate it as well, and I, and I, but I think this, I hate it in this context that that they, there's no point in it if it's not going to spend time. This was a complicated, it was a complicated decision. It I was see that, yeah. But to, it was dealt with in about half a second, and that shows you how fucking moronic VAR is because it's totally reliant on the doofus in wherever it is, Stockley mm. Stockley Park. Park. Sorry. Yes, Stockley Park. Yes, I was Stockley Park. Okay. Boyd, can I just say on this, the yeah. one angle, it, it, usually when you're looking at VAR replays, it's the angles from a bar, from the side mm. that usually, yeah. the most helpful angle here was actually an unusual one. It was the one from behind the goal. Yeah. Because that was the one yeah. when you froze it and the header went and you could see there was a gap between yeah. Schmeichel and Xhaka. And you just wonder, it, it kind of felt, that wouldn't have been the first camera. That's like your fourth, fifth, sixth camera that you go mm. to. And it kind of felt like it was too quick for it to have been, been I done agree. because yeah, we, you had, how, you had um, yeah. Leon Osman and, um, and Tim Cahill and also on the PLP coverage, you know, straight away, I think it was Shearer and Wrighty, you know, absolutely unequivocal that this was, is one they've got wrong. And, yeah, incredibly frustrating. On Lacazette, I, I did get it on pretty good authority this week that he was very, very close to leaving. And I know there was talk about it. But apparently Juventus were, we, the clubs were two or three million pounds away from making an agreement and Arsenal refused to budge. And Juventus wouldn't go higher than I'm told 22 million and Arsenal were, were unwilling to quite go down to that level, but were desperate to sell, I'm told, and just could not get him out the club. And then it suddenly makes you think there must have been a backup plan here. They must have wanted to get a striker into the club. And yet, you know, here we are. And he's, uh, he's the one leading the line. That's interesting. I've heard those rumours as well. But equally, I heard that, um, I, I, well, I heard that, that he, he wasn't necessarily, you know, obsessed with leaving. And that nor was Arteta. And, and Arteta is very loyal to him, isn't he? He's incredibly loyal to him. Like, players like, like Lacazette and Xhaka, who get a lot of criticism. But he picks them week in, week out. I mean, he picks Xhaka. Didn't Lacazette play in the European game as well? I think he did, but but what choice? I don't see the the options Arteta's got. Well, there's got... always Nketiah. There's Nketiah, and yeah, you know, but play... Nketiah hasn't impressed this season. He hasn't. In fact, I, I love him to be good. I think Josh referred to him as an exciting prospect earlier, but that might be being a bit kind. Like he <laughs> he is he, he, he's all right, but you, you don't want him. You don't want him starting up front for Arsenal very often. Um, and the problem I agree with Arteta's that, yeah. got is that he. Young, I know everyone goes on about him he should play through the middle and I don't necessarily disagree but the problem is he doesn't really play with his back to goal but Young is best at putting the ball in the back of the net the problem Arteta's got is on one wing he's got Saka who looks better and better every game but who who would yeah. you put on the other side okay William was injured yesterday what's he going to do Pepe, Pepe. Pepe, 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 Pepe looks worse and worse <laughs> every game 
I want. I'm so desperate for him. To I... He's our he's our biggest ever signing, but he just looked. I, the, the thing I feel sorry for Pepe is he actually looked good towards the end of last season. And he hasn't. Yeah. I don't. Uh, maybe he started one or two games in the Premier League so far. Yeah, because we picked fucking William. Yeah, we we, we yeah. bought William. Yeah. Yeah, and um, Which I think uh, must be a, a bit of gutting for him because you know. That's his position. Isn't it? Although he did play both of them, didn't he? In the in the um, in the last in the last Premier League game, in that yeah. bizarre when he when he had William through the yeah. middle. In that, yeah. right, what about I this? Think he tried he tried something else other than Lacazette, and he you know got a lot of people. Yeah, but that was a weird option, wasn't it? The option that a lot of people are mooting is Aubameyang through the middle and Pepe and Saka either side, and I feel like. There, there was the game where we ended the game, didn't we? Where we won. What was the game we won? 2 1. And we ended with Russia. Yeah. 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 But no, with I I through the middle. Yeah. You, you'd think, and with William was playing a kind of roaming around, wasn't he, behind them kind of thing. And that, that seemed to get to, to be. That was the best period of that game for us. I do think this game might be a bit of a turning point in that we were so ineffective in the second half. And even though. And I, and, and I watched um, Arteta's interview on on match of the day and he was kind of quite defensive about what the team he picked. And he was saying, you know, he was saying the things I've been saying, the penalty should have, sorry, the goal should have been, should have totally been allowed the offside goal, etc. But I do think he, he much, he analyzes these things, doesn't he? In great detail with his team. I can't imagine him looking at there's all the, all there's loads of stats coming out today that I've seen that the amount of time Xhaka touched the ball twice as many times as party. They weren't giving the ball to party for some fucking ludicrous reason. Um, And, Jacques are not doing anything with it at all. And our lack of anything in the second half, he must look at that and be concerned. And I, I surely he must think, and I think Aubameyang, you know that Aubameyang would have, I felt could have done more in the middle in this particular game. And I think, so I, I, I yeah, I've been, I've been an absolute, I've been absolutely happy with, with, you know, incorporating Lacazette and Aubameyang and Pepe, whoever else it is. But I am getting to the point where if if, if the second half is going to happen at all, like it did yesterday, and that's what led us to lose the game, as much as Vardy coming on and scoring that goal, then he has to sort that out, and he has to find a way that's not even knitting together our attacking, those, that front three. Well, and it might mean Lacazette like, dropping out. Yeah. I mean, boy, you and I have sat here on this podcast, haven't we, over the last eight months, and given Arteta a lot of credit for sorting out the defence and we have become much more solid. But there is a worry here that if it is at the expense of of a total lack of, you know, attacking flair and this sort of... I think a lot of Arsenal fans are still going to have a period of, of being forgiving, let's say, about seeing halves of football like yesterday whilst he gets it right because he has got to build us to get solid. But if we are going to applaud what we are doing on the defensive side, then we probably have to, in time criticise what is not happening at the other end of the pitch. And I, I know we're only six games into the season. I'm sure you saw that yeah. um, Orbinio uh, stat that came out, didn't they, about the we've only averaged 8.8 shots yeah. per league game this season, which is, which is way down on, you know, what, what you'd usually expect. And people will harp back to those glorious years under Arsene Wenger when I think his final season was, was near a 50 um, shot. So it's still early days, but... It's a bit of a worry because I don't know. So many times over the years with Arsenal, we go oh, when that player's fit again. When that player's fit again, I mean, what are we are we going to bring back Smith Rowe and bring him <laughs> into the team and he's our savior? Like, there's nothing Maybe. now, right? This is it. This is it. No. Well, That's there the is. I said, well, yeah, but again, he's, Sorry, he's Ricky, on the wing. And no, I, we played Man City last week without their best player in De Bruyne. They had their best centre back out. 
Aguero was his first game of the season and we lost 1-0 and, you know, we had two good chances. We played Leicester yesterday without their best player and we've lost both games. We've got, we, we're at full strength, really. Like, Martinelli, okay, but we're at full strength and you don't get many chances to play Man City without their best centre-back and their best player. You know, Leicester without Vardy are a completely different animal and we lost both those games. To lose both those games, Man City, okay, I understand, but we, it's, it, it's poor and I think the most frustrating thing, like I was, you know, you look at Chelsea and Man United who regularly play the same formation, roughly, that we played yesterday, 4-3-3 or, um, you know, 4-3-1, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, r- roughly the same. And the thing, yeah. the thing was, we, we had three centre midfielders. We didn't, have, we didn't have a number 10. We didn't have anyone even in that, in those three that even, okay, part is obviously new to the, to the league, but that is attacking. And that that is going to be our problem. Like you, you can you can't discredit Arteta for the way he's made us look more solid. I think we have the best defence in the league, or uh, yeah. second, or you know. Second and yeah. I know I think we were second before Aston Villa shipped three, but oh, maybe okay. we're still. Second. Oh yeah, right, sure. right, you're right. Yeah. there are a few clean sheets. Um, and um, but going forward, we just don't look. I have sympathy, like I said, because he's got Lacazette is his best striker, and Aubameyang is has only scored one league goal this season. William hasn't quite hit it off yet. And Pepe looks, you know, like a, he's out of form. But he needs to nip them together. Saka, Saka is the first name on the team shirt at the moment. Oh, 100%. Then Saka. Yeah. yeah. Um, all good points. We'll talk more about this. Uh, the fiendish question of Arsenal's attack and how to sort it out after this break. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. And we're back from the break. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. I find it absolutely fascinating that you look at other teams, right? I mean, teams that have now worse defences than us. The, first of all, you know, let's acknowledge that this season, the, this mad season, you know, when Liverpool, when the Liverpools and Man Cities are losing by six, seven goals, it, extraordinary things are happening. And when teams are coming back from 3-0 down to draw 3 all, etc., that actually the solidity that he has established, Arteta, and that is, is kind of, it, we should be proud of that. He should be proud of that, especially with our fucking useless players. Do you know what I mean? The, the players that, he has transformed us, as you know, and and, I, and this is slightly to address Alan Alger, our beloved um, iconoclastic contributor, t- was tweeting about yesterday about how you know that, that he's obsessed with the 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 the, the um, starts of Wenger and um, Unai Emery and Arteta and comparing their starts, you know, as managers of Arsenal, how many, how, and basically saying that Unai Emery has had a better record up until this point, you know, than Arteta, and saying that. The media and podcasts, particularly, obviously talking about us, gives him far too much, well, much more lenient with him than we were with Unai Emery. But I remember, but all I'd say, so I, I'm kind of, I'll address that more in a minute. But 
I think the part of the reason for that is because we can see what what Arteta's done with the defence and with the unit and with and just establishing a style of play because one of the of course the constant complaints against Unai Emery was we're all over the place he changed the formation and the and the players every single fucking week and it was exhausting even for those of us who wanted to give him a chance so I feel like all of that but having said that I do I am starting with particularly with yesterday's game and the Orbo on the right and all of that and everything that, that and him not as you said as well not bringing on Pepe till late I just like to see him. I think we can be as defensively tight, surely, particularly with Party. If he and if, if he's telling everyone to let Party control that midfield and not just fucking Xhaka, then surely you can have Aubameyang more central, and you know, and give Pepe the time, be patient with him, because I think potentially he is a creator. He's created lots of chances for Aubameyang in, in the you know since he's been here last season, and obviously um, uh, Saka on the other side. And then I think you do have the makings of a powerful unit. I look at Liverpool, you know, their midfield isn't that creative. Obviously they've got, actually they've, they've, this season they've, they've, they've addressed that issue, but when they won, they won the league not with not a particularly creative midfield at all, but they just, they get the fullbacks, don't they? Doing, supplying the chances. And they've got that front three that he knitted together. It took time though, didn't he? He knitted them together into this incredible fluid attacking force. I just think, I thought that that's what Arteta needs to do without him. Yeah, I think Liverpool is actually a really good uh, team to, to mention because I think yeah they play 4-3-3 but they've got two of what the best three players in the league and or two of the top definitely top five yeah. in, Man- in Mane and Salah then they've got um, the comfortably the best fullbacks and that and those four players alone make such a big difference whereas you compare ours you know Tierney and Bellerin okay Bellerin yeah. started the season better and yeah. Tierney and Tierney's, Tierney's, Tierney's a good it. player um, yeah, but but whereas you know obviously Aubameyang is 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 world class, but it's that missing player you know and and those four players alone whoever you play on one wing compare our two fullbacks and Aubameyang to Mane Salah and their two Liverpool fullbacks you're talking different you know you're comparing apples of oranges I think unfortunately and but formation wise yeah definitely I think what you described of having Pepe on one wing and Saka on the other I assume and, and Aubameyang through the middle is great but. It's the three behind them. I, I just, I just don't see a way in which we're going to create enough with Partey, Sabayos, and Xhaka. It's got to be two of those three. Um, oh, I agree with that. Yeah, I get, rid, more, I, I, I get rid of Xhaka. I get rid of Xhaka. Yeah, I, I get rid of Xhaka. I would, I'd drive him to whatever airport he needs <laughs> to get a plane to to join any other team. But in fair, in fairness, but he's another good example. I, I you can ask Josh because I've been banging the Xhaka out drum for a really long time. I can't stand it. However, I hold my hands up and say like Arteta or. You could say Arteta's improved him, or he's improved massively, massively. Um, he's looked a lot better. However, again, like for the goal yesterday, he was probably at full. He still is, yeah. you know, culpable to terrible mistakes in nearly every game. But he's improved loads, as have a lot of players under Arteta. So oh, I yeah, think yesterday was one of those games where where people just, you know, it's, it was easy to blame Arteta. But when you look back a bit, he he was forced into two subs and then his next sub was after they scored. It's just frustrating to see one half where we played so well to the next half where we were so poor. Yeah, just having just having Xhaka you kind of floundering a bit and uh, Mustafi for the, when, when they you know when their goal was scored if it just took you back didn't it to like oh it did it horrific. did but Mustafi again like Mustafi hasn't played a minute this season I felt right. I have sympathy yeah. with him as well he hasn't he got injured against Man City in the semi final. And he yeah. hasn't kicked a ball since. So, yeah. and Holding was injured, so he was forced into that change. Of course. Um, yeah. So, uh, again, I, I have sympathy there. 
Yeah, you're right. I, 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 yeah, I have sympathy as well. I, I'm not, and, and, and to, to fully, you know, and I do think it's unfair. I think, I think the the idea that we're being lenient on, I think people are pe- people are very positive about Arteta because of what they're watching, and and and, and even including the issues of our creativity and attack. I think you just, you, it, it, I think Arsenal fans are so frustrated with our our ineptitude of, of which is gone on for at least a decade that that's why we're so positive about Teta because we can see what he's done addressing that um there's also the Saliba issue I wanted to mention the Saliba issue because that's really that, that's you know he was going to go wasn't he back he was going to be loaned out and he was we've spent a lot of money on him I know he's very young particularly interesting when we played against a 19 year old centre-back for 30 million signed from Sanetia who was yeah, really good. Game. He was yeah. brilliant, yeah. Have yeah. We, did, we, did we sign the wrong one? Something weird has gone on with... And I know his... I think his mother died, didn't mm. she? And I think... Which is obviously all for and that. It must... But you see, I watch these... Because I'm, I'm, I'm so sad. I watch the... Um, you know, the... the Instagram of um, of the Lacazette and Aubameyang. Aubameyang's Instagram is brilliant. So, did you, did you watch the the party he was doing? Did a kind of initiation thing where he was singing and dancing on a table, and I there's Saliba in the background. There's Saliba in the background having a great whale of a time, looking very happy. And you know, um, and he's clearly part of the setup, part of the squad, and they're training with him. And I've seen him a few times as part of Aubameyang's kind of video. We haven't seen anything of him on the pitch yet, but there's definitely something odd going on. And I do know, I do know that he had a terrible game when he played the very one of the first friend, one of the friendlies we had behind closed doors, which which they barely admitted exists happened at all. And apparently he was absolutely terrible in that game. But surely there must, he must have a certain level of of effect of of, of, of skill that's worth trying to get him on the bench, isn't he? A part of our, of our line. It's just a bit odd. It's a bit of an odd situation, isn't it, Josh? Do you have any more insight into the Saliba situation? Only the, the club were desperate as well to get him out, to get him experience, because right now they don't think he is at the level required, which is Clearly. pretty obvious, yeah. right? Because he's, right. he's just totally um, not been involved. I guess this is another one where Arteta can go, well, this was nothing to do with me. You know, yeah. I, I I didn't sign him, and I, right now I don't think he's he's good enough to be um, around the squad. But it's a bit of a concern about you know who who was signing off that that transfer. But yeah, I mean, you can mention the thing obviously about about his mother, but it, it seems more than a. You know, he's not been given time off. He's still at training. He mm. is still, yeah. as you say, I've also noticed, you know, popping up on other people's sort of social media. He's still part of the uh, of the squad. Um, I don't know. Just is there still the opportunity? I mean, there was talk that he was even going to go on loan somewhere in the in the championship and try yeah. here, but it seems to have completely gone away. At the moment, I don't quite understand what the benefit is. Surely it's better he would go to the championship and play football rather than hang around and potentially the odd appearance with the under-23s. Did you, do you see the, the Mustafi news? Yeah, I... I... Yeah, but it was a surprise, isn't it? I mean, he's out of contract, isn't he? Um, and so I guess it's one of them where either, you know, they, they need to take a decision, really. But it seems a surprise. It kind of felt for a long time now that at the end of this contract, it would be a, a case of him sort of bidding farewell. Um, and I did see that his old mate, Koscielny, was weighing in on the uh, Mesut Ozil situation. Oh, was he? Mate, oh, I missed that. Really? 
Yeah, Kashel only put out some quotes. I'll try and get it up to be uh, to be completely accurate. But um, as I look for it, it was essentially saying that on a footballing level, there can be no question that that Mesut is up to it. So was uh, signposting that he believes there are other um, reasons for his uh, non-involvement. Hmm. And and his. We now you've brought him up. We have to talk about Ozil. Obviously, it's the it's the weekly Ozil slot. Um, And he's. What have you? Were you following his tweets during the game the other night? Um, I mean, I, look, I glanced at them a bit. Yeah, he's got, he's, he's doing, I mean, I said he's got like a new job as Arsenal socials manager because he's like, you know, trying to get the fans joining in and predicting a score. As you pointed out brilliantly, we should have him as a guest because he's definitely up for predicting scores, which is one of the main, the other, apart from us being Jewish, is the other main uh, um, <laughs> of this podcast among the other 25,000 other Arsenal podcasts, Ricky. Um, what's your thing? We haven't got your, what's your current um, Ozil thinking? Are you? Are, do you give any kudos or credit to the team Urzil people who are like, you know, he should be, he is a creative uh, player. He should be allowed at oh, least somewhere near the team. With regards to his sort of like social media, I think it's all rather sad on from everyone's part. I think that the whole thing's being played out in public is rather embarrassing for all parties. I am a huge Meza Urzil fan on the football pitch, and. I don't think anyone would be able to convince me that it's not things that have happened away from football that have led to us to this situation. There's no way that Mikel Arteta has said, you know what, I think we've got a better chance with our most creative player being Danny Ceballos than Meza Ozil. And even the signing of William. Like we didn't, you know, you don't need to go out and sign William for 250 grand a week or whatever if you're going to play Meza Ozil. There's no doubt in my mind that 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 was done either because we thought we can get rid of him. We thought we can get him off the wages and, you know, do everything we can alienate him, make him play in a prison friendly only to keep him out the squad, like put him on the bench against Southampton. Like we did not, that there's anything wrong with putting him on the bench, but you know, he sat, he sat there with his umbrella and uh, you know, there's, there's no, there's no doubt in my mind that, that people behind the scenes were trying to force him out of the club. He obviously had no interest in doing that. And now it all looks rather embarrassing. I, I listened to the podcast last week because it Raymond said, I said that, you know, he's just basically not good enough to play for Arsenal. I just, just, don't, just don't see it. We, we didn't, we so lack a creative player. No one could tell me that Meza Ozil wouldn't at least be, coming, be an option off the bench. However, the only thing I would say is that when he did play under Arteta last season, he didn't look any good. I know his, his yeah. form has dipped massively, yeah. but he's still good enough to be an option when he's in our squad isn't and he's not it, going anywhere. Right. I, I, yeah. I, I, I think it's interesting what you're saying. Isn't it though? For me, it's like, it's not so much, it's not, it's not so much purely, you know, his talent and skill, which are undeniable. Obviously he, you know, he's, he's potentially a brilliant player, blah, 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 incredible supplier of assists, you know, in, in his peak, not so much subsequently, but, I feel like the reason why, and I, I so I, I hear what you're saying, but I equally, I don't think Arteta is the kind of guy who's going to be told not to pick him either by the, by the, by the manager. I can't, you know, he is, I can't, I think it's much him and what he feels um, Ozil has, has or has not contributed, has not contributed in training and in the games where he did pick him, that he stopped picking him. And I think it's as much about Ozil's manner and, you know, again, talking about well, we all hear stuff behind the scenes, 
you know, you hear stories about what he's like as a personality. And he, I know he's an introvert, and I think that's interesting. You know, he's, he, he, you know, he's the opposite of Aubameyang. He's always laughing and joking, having a good time. Ozil's was like fucking miserable. <laughs> you know, looks miserable as sin most of the time. Um, so there's all of that. I just feel it's not. I don't think it's the political thing. I think there's a confusion between. Yeah, I'm not saying it's political. No, I know. I, I, I think you're right. Yeah. Not. To, I don't think. I think that's bullshit. I'm sorry. I don't buy that at all. I don't think there's any proof anywhere that. What he said about the eager Muslims, you know, was ev- anything to do in China was any, which was brilliant. It absolutely t- took a stand on that. It was great, and you know the club should have backed that. You know all of that, but I don't think that is to do with why Arteta doesn't want to isn't interested in him uh, no, coming near the team. I think it's to do with his attitude, and I think Arteta has a zero tolerance policy for that kind of attitude that I think is kind of in- in- encapsulated in Urza. Yeah, I have no problem with Arteta turning around if he said look to whoever at the club or just in general to Meza Ozil said that I don't think your attitude is good enough and you're not going to play for Arsenal anymore. I've got no problem, you know, yeah. not that my opinion matters, but, you know, I've got no issue with him saying that. However, what I don't agree with is the fact that anyone can tell me that it's purely based on just on 90 minutes on the football pitch. If it's a training or anything like that, fine. if he doesn't put his weight, he's got a bad attitude to get rid of him. That's fine. However, what I, um, what I, what I don't, what I don't really like is the fact that, you know, we're told one thing, and it's not that you have, we have to know everything that goes on behind the scenes. We're told one thing. Urza then comes out and says the other. It's all a bit embarrassing. The whole thing with Gunnosaurus is just a bit pathetic, to be honest. Um, but Because he can still do a job. He, but, but there's no doubt that he's not he's not as good as he used to be. He, uh, but Arteta picked him 10 games in a row. We go into lockdown, we come out, and he, he doesn't play another minute. You can't tell me that's purely based on what he did in those 10 games. No, I, I don't think it's pretty based on that. But as I say, I think it is all, it's also based on what he's like, his personality, his training, his attitude, all of that. And a little bit, to be honest, I know what you're saying about, you know, he, he could, he, there, there are times when he would be more creative option than <laughs> most of our players. But we're, he is a number 10. And that that whole position, I've been saying this for years, I think his whole decline, you know, from, from the glory days under Wenger was when Wenger kind of built... Uh, had a system. Well, it was, it was it, you know, he had a, a loads of skillful players surrounding him, and they could, you know, interact and create with each other. I don't think that. I don't think we were that kind of team now, and I think like most teams haven't got space for that kind of player, have they? That's, really, that's not the just problem. us. <laughs> but then, man, you've got Bruno Fernandes, and Chelsea's just spent seventy million on Kai Havertz, and we're playing parties to Bios and Jacker in the midfield. So maybe that's our problem, and not not anyone else's. Yeah, I mean, it is complicated. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't, you know. I think it's more. I think people, fans are like, apart from the the real hardcore people who are obsessed with us more than they are Arsenal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw, you know, I've seen people saying, what, calling um, calling Arteta like a weasel or something for not for the whole for, for not backing him. But I just think it's such a mess, isn't it? It's such a kind of horrendous, as you say, all his agent coming, you know, everything that he tweets, the gunner stories. It's such a kind of soap opera, mm-hmm. grinding soap opera of of, of from hell. That's why, for me, it's a simpler cut to just cut him loose. It would to have the been. extent of not picking him in the squad. I think that's the problem. That Also, I imagine that, you know, Arteta probably said to the board, you know, if we can get rid of him, if we can get rid of his wages off the books, amazing. But the same way that Josh was talking about us haggling over with Juventus over Lacazette, the same way that we probably haggled with about Thomas Partey for, all, for the whole summer, albeit a shorter one, and then end up, signing on deadline day for the money we could have got him on the first. Like he, he, instead of him coming into the team for his first appearance, well, 
first Premier League start yesterday, he could have played five previous games and maybe, you know, maybe win yesterday if Arteta's, if, if Arteta's played five league games rather than five minutes. Um, I hadn't thought of that. Uh, yeah, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, go on. We, we, signed, we, we spent the same amount of money on him that we could have spent we love, on... I mean, we fucking love a last-minute signing, don't we? On, on, I mean, it's absolutely... But that was as last-minute as well, they come. That is true. Yeah. Sorry, was, Josh? Was, our, was Arteta himself not a... Uh, you know, after we got smashed yeah, he up was, at right, yeah. Trafford, yeah. Right. He, he came himself, so he knows about a last-minute smash yeah, and grab. He came out the other day. And I, Mertzak, I said he was a panic buyer. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's brilliant. Can I ask what before we we're running out of time? We've been going. I want to obviously get on to predictions for the two games coming up. Cool. Nightmare Man United game we've got, by the way. Anyway, but I wanted to posit this theory because I've got a little theory about Arteta and why he. I think he he loves. I think this is first of all. I think his tactics reflect him as a player, right? Like I I wasn't particularly excited when Arteta was the favourite to be the next manager of Arsenal because I was I always found him quite an uninspiring player to be honest. For me, like he was, you know, he was the sideways passer of sideways passers. And was never particularly a thrilling, you know, kind of... He was very, very reliable. Don't get me wrong. Great, a great passer in many ways. But not... I don't... I don't you know, I never... He never excited me. And I feel like, you know, almost that... That that is kind of I'm seeing that reflected almost in 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 you know the way he's going about building this Arsenal team. But I'm fully in, I'm massively in favour of him as I've made absolutely clear. But that was partly why I wasn't thrilled about the prospect of him being a manager. Just thinking about what he was like as a player. I'm over that now. But what I do think is that his very technical, you know, this kind of Pep sub Pep Guardiola style, establishing these very very complicated lines of attack you know and these kind of complex and, and apart from louise kicking it long to the which we worked very well but we and apart from getting it to zakarat wide for a cross we our attacks tend to be very meticulous you know what i mean and complex and slow and i feel like i wonder whether the players can't work out the way of doing what he wants of executing his attacks in a fast pacey manner that almost every other rival team does and i think that that is a slight issue with his whole philosophy Ricky's got a special guest in his. Uh... <laughs> Am I reading too much into that? That's my own theory. But do you know what I mean? I feel like the intricacy—that's the word I'm, I'm, I was clutching for, grasping for—the intricacy that I think he likes in, an intricate a move. You know, Arteta, and it's, we've pulled it off a few times, like once or twice every the game. Bami and goal against right him, against Fulham, right? Exactly. Yeah. But nine times out of ten, it's hard to pull those things off. And I think, like, the simpler, the much simpler approach of, say, Liverpool, because I'll back to Liverpool, which is often just, like, those front three fucking bombing forward, you know, with the fullbacks going forward and doing crosses. It might be a better way. And who am I? I mean, who am I, obviously? But I just feel there is definitely a kind of inbuilt fondness for a complex tactical manoeuvre under our chest. I wonder whether going forward he might simplify Josh. No, I think you're absolutely right. What was interesting, we haven't really spoken about the game in Vienna, though I'm not sure there's huge yeah. amounts to say. Leno made a couple of errors, one that obviously led to the mm. goal. I've never seen a manager so keen to take responsibility from a yeah. goalkeeping error as Arteta. Straight away, that's how I tell them to play. This is going to happen. And then in the post-match virtual press conference, one of the journalists said, are you effectively willing to accept this will happen every now and then, but it would also get you goals like you, you know, you've just mentioned there, Bamiyang's against, you know, against Man City or, so, or something, yeah. you know, equivalent of that where 
he will score. We will score some special goals. And it was a, such a straightforward. Yes, we, you know, yeah. we, we understand. I'm telling them to play this way. I want them to play this way. We will, we will build from the back. And very clearly, Arteta is one of them who's like, if you don't want to do it my way, then either you'll head out of the club or, or you're not going to play. Yeah, that's, I, I think that's what we like about him. I, I agree with what you said, Boyd, about how he's, you know, it's almost like basketball, you know, uh, set plays or NFL. Yeah. Um, I, I like I like what, what both of you said in terms of, you know, he's taking responsibility. And he does have a clear way of playing. Uh, I think as long as we are patient with him and obviously they're rewarded with, with hopefully a little bit better football, then I think he's, def- he's definitely the man that I would want in charge of us right now anyway. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think, like, I think, and the, what, the other reason why I bring up that whole the comparison with Pep and it and all of that, I think, as you said about Liverpool, we just have our players aren't actually good enough, are they, to yeah, execute a lot? Definitely stuff. not. That is the problem not. that we have. You know that, and and really, in the end, but. The other, the flip side of that, I think when they're not good enough to be first or second in the league and to be consistently beating our rivals and all of that, but I think they are good enough. I think the squad is good enough to possibly to get fifth, fourth, or fifth. I do think that, and I, particularly fourth. if he sorts pray, out. Pray for fourth. I missed it. when I watched the Champions League on Tuesday. It made me again realise that I would yeah. actually like to be in that competition. Oh god, yeah, we we missed the Champions League. Credit to Arsene Wenger. Have you read Arsene Wenger's book, by the way, Ricky? <laughs> I haven't. Uh, the thing is, I've uh, no, nothing I've heard about it is exciting me. I will, I will read it at some point, but um, yeah, concentrating on Bruce Springsteen for the time being. Yeah, fair enough. Of the two, I think Bruce Springsteen is, like, is my number one. Yeah. Josh, yeah. I thought I thought you were about to say concentrating on Bruce Rioch. I didn't know if he had a book out. <laughs> uh, I'm sure he did. Quite. Do you reckon Bruce Rioch had an autobiography? Have I've, you I've ever heard? It. By the way, I meant to mention this last week. Have you heard? I think it was Lee Dixon on the um, on that podcast, the Arsenal podcast he does for the Athletic, talking about Bruce Rioch. It's really funny. Did you hear that? Really disdainful. If that's not, I, I, I forgive me, but I'm pretty sure it was Lee Dixon who was incredibly disdainful of Bruce Rioch's attitude and demeanour. Like in when he when he was asked manager of us, I thought that was really interesting for anyone yeah. who can remember that those those times, like I do, because I'm old enough. Yeah, I don't want to sound like I'm cheating on publicity Arsenal, but I do enjoy the Handbrake Off podcast as well. Yeah, oh, it's great. That was brilliant. Yeah, really good. There's loads of great. But we're allowed to. We're allowed to admit that. There's loads oh, of great Arsenal podcasts. Only you two. Only you two. Though. Thanks, man. Thank you. Well, Sorry, Josh. What are you thinking? I mean, this this fixture against Dundalk has made me think. Yeah, it's a real shame. This would be a fun trip if we could have gone over oh, to Ireland it would have been for brilliant. a game. This would have been great, wouldn't it? Um, Dundalk, which thinking? has a population of thirty-nine thousand and four. Um, would have been a brilliant place to visit. They, they could have nearly all fitted in the in the Highbury. Never mind the the Emirates. Those thirty nine thousand people. <laughs> exactly. Have done exactly. Um, it's lovely fixture, isn't it? I'm really I'm really looking forward to it. I, I mean, I would be surprised if we somehow managed to fuck it up. I don't think we'll lose, but I mean, I, I can imagine some you know tense like not labouring to score even against Dundalk situation happening and everyone being really furious um, on social media. Um, Ricky, what do you think is going to happen in the Dundalk game? Well, I've been look, I've been watching a lot of their games recently, and uh, <laughs> no, I, I uh, I'm, go, I'm just going to say three 0 because why not? Well, well, I mean, it yeah, be. yeah, yeah. Josh, uh, I'll, I'll go two 0 to uh, Arsenal. Uh, Molde, they they were winning, weren't they, against Molde in their opening game, and then lost two yeah, one. Right. But they they put up a pretty competitive um, account of themselves. So I did I read I did two nil. Sorry, Josh, I, I did read an interesting interview of one of the Dundalk players. Then if you, it was a 
he was at Liverpool and there was another Liverpool player who came uh, out recently and said that he intentionally injured him wow. before an yes. FA Cup game to try yeah and, I heard uh, that you're right I heard that story yeah it's crazy. It's, it's, yeah, I mean, turns out that the guy who even went out to injure and didn't get picked by your Klopp either. But um, yeah, this guy's playing at Dundalk now. He got a bad injury at Liverpool by one of the Liverpool players. And um, yes, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's crazy. It yeah, that was, oh, yeah, that was a very interesting story. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Daniel, uh, Daniel Cleary. That's the one who plays at Dundalk, yeah. Daniel Cleary. Yeah. He's a victim. Yeah. The, the vast majority of their players are, actual, are Irish. Josh Gatt, who's an American who plays for them. Uh, got someone who used to play for Watford, I think, Sean Murray. Yes, yeah, Sean Murray, yeah, yeah, he's there. Um, and Nathan Adua, um, who's Nigerian, England, who represents England and Nigeria. So they've got, I mean, it's an interesting, be, I, I think it's going to be lovely to watch it, isn't it? It's just, I, 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 that sounds patronising, but I mean, they are, you know, it is, they're not, they're not a major force in European football, so I think I can, <laughs> I'm allowed to be vaguely patronising. Well, Josh, did you give a prediction? 2-0. 2-0. Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I'm going to say 4-0. I'm going to go, I'm going to go bold. Yeah. I mean, not that bold. Then the Man United game, oh, I'm really not looking forward to this. I mean, it's because they're desperate to win, aren't they? They've, they haven't, I mean, they haven't won a game for, for feels like ages and um, it's at Old Trafford and everyone's, you know, I mean, they're, they're kind of decent against Chelsea, weren't they? In a, in a, in a mind number, in a game that was even more boring than our game. Um, what do you reckon, Ricky? What's going to happen in that game? Uh, I'm going to go 2 1. We're going to score a relatively late winner. Wow. Love it. Josh? 1 1. I think a uh, probably unexciting score draw. 1 all for me, Boyd. What do you think? I'm going to predict that they're going to win. And partly out of, you know. Hang just, on. You yeah. think Arsenal are going to win away no, at a top no, no. six club? No, sorry, Man Man United, they, as, they, as in they, Man U are going to win, I think, yeah. Right. Um, partly as a kind of defence mechanism that if I'm wrong, then at least, you know, I'd have got a prediction right, if I'm, if I'm right, rather. But, yeah, it's pathetic logic. Um, but anyway, I think they'll win 1-0. That's my current, that's my prediction. I think it's going to be quite depressing. Sorry, Josh. The, 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 well, the big thing I'm looking forward to is Mesut Ozil's prediction. He hasn't got one right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Got one, yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you think this goes on now for the rest of the season? At what point does Mesut stop doing to. this social media nonsense? Every I mean, game? I mean, look, it'll be like our podcast not doing a prediction. You've got to do it. Once you start, you can't stop. You've got to stick to the format. You've got to stick to the, you know, that the premise of the whole thing. And it's established. It's going to... Do predictions. He only 90 predicts the score. He predicts who's going to score, doesn't he? Which is quite cute. It's quite kind of, that's even weirder than what we do. I mean, how could he possibly know? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I don't know. It's not, it's, it's quite, I find it quite sweet. You know, I find it quite endearing. It's more endearing than anything else he's done in, in recent times. Sorry, Ricky. I know you're a fan. Ricky, it's been great. Thank you for coming back. Oh, pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Enjoy the Bruce Springsteen album. I will. I will. I am. Yeah. And uh, cheers, Josh. And I guess we'll be back uh, a week today, won't we? And it's good. You know what happens next? We're 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 a week and one day ahead of now, don't you? Next next Tuesday, you know what happens? It's the American presidential fucking election. Oh yeah, yes. of course. I mean, I, I just like to mention it as you know, as one of the most important days in the history of the universe. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, that puts it into perspective. Even if we lose to Man U, which will be bad, which I'll be absolutely furious about. If Joe Biden wins next Tuesday then I feel we feel a lot better I think and on that note we'll say goodbye cheers bye
Wasn't that a great podcast? Now, if you've got 90 seconds spare in your day, come and listen to ours. It's called What Has He Said Now? and is available wherever you got this podcast. You're going to lose a number of people to the flu. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.